What up? <laughs> I was blowing my nose like, okay, it's showtime. We didn't get our awesome intro, but man, what a start. Wait, wait, wait. It's like we caught you on candid camera. Wait, wait, wait. Can I do it now? Can I just play it now? Let's do it. Let's go. Benzinga's Cannabis Capital Conference returns to Miami Beach on April 11th and 12th. I may be biased, but I'm telling you this event is a can't miss. Join us to build the foundation of your next game-changing deal with CEOs and decision makers from leading companies in the industry. We're talking about the next wave of businesses, strategies from the most profitable businesses, and exactly what investors are looking for in a challenging market. Go to bzcannabis.com to meet your next investor, co-founder, and new friends. A little pro tip from me, right now tickets are $1,000 cheaper than prices at the door. Get yours now. Oh, man. I love you, Bobby. Y'all, what's (laughs) up? Welcome in. It is a Thirsty Thursday. We are here. You know, actually, funny story about that. Thirsty, I hope we've been live this whole time. Um, But Thirsty Thursday, uh, my neighborhood, Clubhouse, is doing a Thirsty Thursday for 55 and over I am not invited. I feel offended. Um, But that being said, what's up, y'all? Welcome to Cannabis Insider with me, Elliot Lane. Follow me, Elliot Lane 10. But with the one you're here for, Javier Jase, the Argentinian action figure himself, the one who is verified on Twitter and Instagram. I am not, but he is the one you want to hear from. That being said, Javi, what's up, man? How's it going? Doing great. Is my mic working okay? It's a little little robotic. It's a little robotic. You, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta fix that. Every time it's a lottery. There it's we go. And then a, right. new, a new Mac and a new mic. It just hates me, dude. It's now bad. we have your dulcet tones. Now you sound great. But That's Javi, good. man, I have a bone to pick with Twitter. We cool. literally got off our show, and then AdCan comes out and announces that they're advertising for cannabis. I- I like that. that it, it, it deserves like a news headline, you know, like our top story tonight. Twitter's updated policy is making headlines and it's all thanks to Elon Musk. Yeah, the company for the South African billionaire has announced that the social media platform will now allow paid ads for CBD and THC products as well as other cannabis related products and services. Y'all take the win on this one. I'm just going to say it. I don't, I, I'm probably going to piss somebody off with this. I'm sorry, but take the win. Oh, yeah. Like, this is a great piece of news. Get excited, get happy. But I've seen all these headlines and stories be like, yeah, but you can't advertise marijuana products directly. And I'm like, oh, for the love of God. Like, <laughs> there's always going to be restrictions on marijuana, always. I mean, in, in this specific case, right, like under the updated policy, advertisers must be licensed and pre-authorized by Twitter. Uh, they only may target jurisdictions in which they are licensed to promote these products and services online. Of course, they cannot promote um, to minors and they cannot promote or offer the sale of cannabis. Sounds so you- in line with legality to me. Yeah. I mean, the Twitter's not going to do anything that is like that is not in line with strict federal and state regulations. 
where they can work. So, I mean, this is not surprising. I'm just pumped that they're advertising for cannabis. And I think they will grow as the industry is allowed to grow. I don't oh, know. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that, Javi? No, I, I, I think it's a, it's a cool step. I, I was really excited about the news as well. Um, it's more symbolic than anything, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. change much, but it's symbolic. Well, it could change some. I mean, Trulieve is already diving in. They must see some ROI with it, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's few platforms for cannabis companies to spend their, their ad dollars. <laughs> Benzinga. I'm just there. saying. You know, yeah. but, but but in reality, right, you can't take your money to uh, Instagram or Facebook unless, you know, you circumvent some rules. You can't, you are very limited as to what you can promote on Google. Uh, most, you know, mainstream media outlets will not take the ads uh, either. So, you know, it's. And here's a call for advertisers yeah. at Benzinga. We have plenty of channels. We have amazing results with the people we work with uh just give us a ring cannabis or just hit me on linkedin whatever you want to do who cares that being said pumped for twitter diving into the space i think props to them this is symbolic i agree with you javi i think there is utility to it as we've already seen one of the largest companies in the space third largest to be exact dive in and dive in head first can i I, it's not in your headline so forgive me but um truly um, giving another five and a half million. So we're just talking about them giving another five and a half million to the Florida state, um, ballot, uh, process. So lobbying for it still, I think that makes over 25 million. Now they've given to the initiative in the state. Uh, so just going to continue on the truly train, throw that in there. Obviously they stand to gain a lot more than they're giving if they do get it passed at the end of next year. Uh, but I'm glad that they're putting their wallet, um, where their mouth is. Indeed. I Keep it going. You're also excited about Tilt Holdings, right? Tilt Always. Holdings has announced a series of transactions that have reduced its outstanding debt by 47% year over year. The company has repaid $2 million of debt, um, retiring the remainder of its 2019 senior debt facility with no further obligations. That, um, that seems like good news to me, right? Am I missing anything there? Stock was down earlier today. Interesting. I have no idea why, honestly. It's just cannabis. That, that's the reason. It's cannabis stock. But, I mean, props to Till. Gary Santo been working. Lynn Ricci been working. Um, you know, the team over there is really making strides. And they are a very unique company. They are a brand builder. They support a lot of cool brands like Toast, like um, a Black Buddha. Uh, I mean, there's a number that they they support in their dispensaries and otherwise. Uh, and they're going to be speaking on brands at our bzcannabis.com, Benzinga's Miami Cannabis Capital Conference in April. That's Ooh. my plug. All right, Javi, to you, man. Keep it rolling. No, I'm just looking at the numbers a little bit, right? Like, so basically, what what Tilted was repay like what forty million dollars? I I, I I struggle to understand that, right? Like they, I think they, they refinanced forty. Well, no. So it was over the past like year and a half. So if you read the press release, it's since December 2021. Yeah. That they had like 80 some million dollars now down to 40 some million dollars. Mm-hmm. So they paid a lot off over the last year and two months. And I don't think that that is, I think they just use that higher number as reference. Um, but they have basically extended the maturity of the majority of the remaining debt while paying off, I think, some 
like different forms of like a $2 million loan here, $7 million loan here. That was my understanding, Javi. I'm not sure if you got anything different from that. No, I, I'm, I'm probably just learning from you right now. Keep it going, brother. What else we got, man? There's so much news happening today. It was private placement Thursday when I did Cannabis Daily this morning. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Tell us about it. Dude, we had Zebra Brands, that's X-E-B-R-A Brands, do a private placement, I think up to 600K. We had Center Brands do a private placement of up to 5 million. Uh, and then there was uh, another company, I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, Oxley, thank you. They did. A, I think they just closed a three point three six million dollar private placement. Yep. Um, but all those stocks last time I checked were up. Um, so shareholders liking the any any movement of capital right now uh, in that regard. Indeed, but I, I, there's two very interesting analyst notes from our good friend Pablo Spanich at Cantor Fitzgerald. Pablo, you can go check him out in detail at Benzinga.com/slash/cannabis after the show. Uh, one of them looked into air wellness. That is A-Y-R-W-F. Uh, he says um, this company cuts costs to build meaningful debt. Uh, and, you know, shares a little bit of his thoughts ahead of Q4 earnings. Uh, ultimately, he main, uh, remains neutral on the stock uh, and has a price target of 138 Pretty low. It's uh, right, Well, let's compare to the other stocks here, though. Let's be fair. Um it is low though. <laughs> yeah, lower in price targets. Left and right. Air Wellness is a they're they're top ten size wise, right? Like market cap wise in the I U.S. So. In the they're US. definitely top fifteen. There's only oh, yeah. there's only fifteen companies that have like above a hundred million market cap. Um, but I'm pretty sure they're they're like I think Ascend is eight. I think Verano is four or five. True Leaf's three. GTI two. Cure Leaf one. Um, but I think the, the remaining five, I think arrows in there somewhere. So that's, it's, it, it is, it's representative of a tough industry right now, man. It is, man. It's tough times all around. We were, you know, you know, we were discussing earlier, like stock performance in general and, you know, it's been a blast blast. It's been a bloodbath. It's <laughs> well, I will say, you know, let, we'll, we'll put the negative spin on it because that is there and we do not ignore you know, that just to be sunshine pumpers here. But I will say it is somewhat exciting and not said lightly to see who is able to write the ship this year, who is able to come out on the other side. Obviously that takes a lot of resources that you either already have and, or you need from your network, uh, which is why you come to events like Benzinga. We don't just host events to get our friends together. We host events to help grow businesses, right? I mean, there are friends too. So there's that. But that being said, y'all, do what you can. You know, meet new people, find these resources, and get through the finish line of 2023. Because I think those who make it through this year, you know, there, there's greener grass in the next 18 months. After the next 18 months, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Well, I, I hope so at the very least. Uh, people, you know, smart people seem to to be cautiously optimistic. But you know, are you calling me smart, Javi? Always. Are you calling me smart? Oh, man, look at him blowing some smoke up at me right now. The other uh, news out of Kendra Fitzgerald or the other uh, reports uh, looked into Aurora Cannabis ACB after uh, Q2 earnings. Uh, Swanix once again remains overweight on the company, but lowered again his price target from $3 to $2.35 on a 
general like sectoral uh, derating. Now, if you all know anything about analyst notes, they generally write the same thing in, <laughs> in the first line um, for similar companies. So when I look at this, and you know, I think the price target is a big tell for you know Pablo's thoughts on the overall market right now. Mm-hmm. But Aurora's doing fine. It, like Aurora has actually been pretty but good. But it's burning a bunch of cash. It is. All, all cannabis companies are. That's what they do. It's like a definition. Uh, yeah, but it's... So- Name me one cannabis company that doesn't burn cash. No, very few. I can't. Definitely not off the, off the top of my head. That's for sure. Uh, but I mean, it's it's still concerning to see that that kind of cash burn. On the other hand, lower interest costs and and all this like uh, pay repayment of debt that they've been doing, better work and capital management will likely help these uh, financial trends going forward. Mm-hmm. Well, well, we'll we'll see. You know, I, I I don't take anything away from Pablo's note. I think that man knows a lot more about capital markets than I do. But when it comes to the space as a whole right now, Aurora has had much tougher times that we've seen and covered on this show than what they're going through right now. Yeah. And then the, the, other, the other interesting thing about Aurora is it's, it's privileged position in Germany, right? Mm-hmm. We still don't know if, 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 if legalization in Germany for adult use is going to happen or not and, or, or when it is going to happen, actually. But it is it is very well positioned, right? ACB is only one uh, is only is one of only three domestic licensed producers. So you know this is a, an eighty million people market. I think that is also well as expected. Germany goes, so do several other markets. Several several other markets. Uh, I mean, you're, you'll have the Netherlands follow very. I mean, if they're not already leading, but you know what I mean. There, market wise, um, they'll follow. But I. I don't know. I, I'm not necessarily bearish on an international play like Aurora. I'm not bearish on an international play like Tilray, albeit two very different feelings. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's a reason why Pablo is more optimistic on or more bullish on, on Aurora than on Air Wellness, right? When supposedly the, the big market is the U.S., supposedly Canada has reached its, its full potential, right? Mm-hmm. But it seems, you know, like these these players have already, as, the, uh, you know, Patrick Gray was saying on, on, on Tuesday, many of these Canadian players have already recognized that they have hit that ceiling in Canada and have, you know, look started looking outward. So I have... You know, let's get some audience participation at some point in this. You guys, drop your questions in the chat if you are listening live. If you're listening later on, shoot your questions to us. We love hearing from you guys. You give us some great insights on what you want to hear. I'd love to hear what you all think of these new markets coming online. What is the most exciting market to you? That's my question for you. I'm super excited with how Missouri is rolling out. I mean, they are just snowballing downhill. Yep. Super cool. Um, I hear a lot of excitement about Maryland. You know, even though their medical sales went down pretty significantly in January, Maryland seems to be on the tip of tongues right now, probably due to the different large markets of urban uh, buyers there. But I mean, Javier, what do you think, man? 
I was muted. And I, I am I am always excited with every market that comes online to be very great answer. I love right? that answer. Uh, but I, I, I do I do feel excited about Missouri and how fast things are moving. Uh, the, the early results are very encouraging. Um, do you think that'll affect Illinois? Probably, right? A lot of people came into Illinois from from neighboring states, right, to get to get cannabis. That was no secret. Uh, Illinois itself, you know, the 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 the, uh, the state government recognized that a big part of, of cannabis revenue and cannabis tax revenue came from out of state uh, visitors. So I'm sure it will affect Illinois to a certain point. But I'm also pretty convinced that the you know the Illinois market continues to, um, to to establish itself, right? And and people are becoming more and more used to legal cannabis retail, right? So I, I I do trust that more and more people will continue to convert to the legal market from mm-hmm. uh, illicit markets, and that could make up for for a portion of. One last point to that, and then we got to get our guest over. Um, yes. But we um, California giving a $20 million grant program. I don't know if you saw that uh, to expand cannabis into underserved uh, areas and markets within the state. I thought that was really cool. Um, props to California on that one, obviously. Hopefully it creates more opportunity for cannabis brick and mortars uh, there, um, but we'll see. With that being said, we really need to get to our guests now. I love the conversation, Javi. You're a man of many talents and knowledges. <laughs> love you. I wasn't enlightened. <laughs> <laughs> you were always in line. So, like, I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm always happy. You're the man. We love you. That said, let's bring over our guest, the CEO of Filament Health, Ben Lightburn. Ben, how are you, sir? Welcome in. Doing very well. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Where are you calling from? From my house in beautiful West Vancouver, British Columbia. I hear nothing but like Vancouver is perfect on all times. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's uh, it's it's definitely got its uh, attractive points. You know, we have ski hills just above the town, and mm. you know we got lush evergreen forest as you can see. Um, but you know, it's it's not always a complete utopian paradise. <laughs> well, my friend, give us a little history about Filament Health. Uh, what do you do, uh, you know, within these emerging markets? Sure. So um, Filament was started a few years ago now by myself and some colleagues from a previously exited company. Um, we've been working in this area of botanical extraction, making natural ingredients sourced from plant sources for basically for our whole careers. Um, and we we came out of an exit in 2018 and this is sort of right around the time when the psychedelics industry was experiencing the early stages of its uh, renaissance. And something struck us that was a little bit unusual is that it didn't seem like there were really any companies focused on the natural side of the psychedelics industry. I mean, there were some, uh, but by far and away, the, the vast uh, amount of resources and attention were going into companies uh, producing psychedelic substances uh, via um, uh, chemical synthesis. And mm-hmm. you know, while there's not inherently anything wrong with um, making synthesized psilocybin or other um, uh, compounds, we knew from our experience in the natural products industry that 
probably eventually psychedelic consumers would desire at least to have an option of a naturally derived product. I mean, you just have to look into the cannabis industry, right? Where people, it's all natural all the time. And, you know, sales of synthetic cannabinoids are actually much, much, much smaller than sales of natural cannabinoids. And what was very funny to us was that it seemed to be the opposite in psychedelics, which where one would expect probably an even more natural focus. Um, so we decided to start a company to essentially give people the choice of a natural or, or synthetic psychedelic, knowing that we had a lot of experience in the manufacture of, of natural extracts for a wide variety of different industries. We had a lot of experience with GMP manufacturing and getting IP protection and having facilities and dialoguing with governmental authorities like, like Health Canada. So that's basically the, the origin story in a, in a nutshell. Now, I'm just pretending to be dumb here uh, so that everybody else you know, can um, you know, benefit from this. I'm pretending to look dumb too. Yeah, right. So is natural the same thing as organic? It's actually not the same thing as organic. So I would say organic uh, could be considered to be a subset of, um, of natural. And when we say organic, we're talking about like USDA organic certification, like organic mm -hmm. chemistry and organic compounds mean something different. Um, USDA organic certification describes certain ways of growing, manufacturing, providing food products and other uh, products like uh, dietary supplements and, and things like that. Um, it is possible to make natural things organic if you use like, say, organic certified solvents when you're making extracts or you only use like organic certified preservatives and when you grow the materials you only use organic certified um antimicrobial and and uh and pest reducing agents and things like that our extracts for now they're they're definitely natural what what makes something natural is that um they get extracted from a, a from a natural source like like for instance psilocybin from a magic mushroom or caffeine from a coffee bean, um, there's not necessarily any chemical difference between, say, uh, you know, natural psilocybin and a synthetic psilocybin, but there is a big difference between a natural extract of a magic mushroom and synthetic psilocybin. Just like in cannabis, where a natural extract of a cannabis plant will have many different cannabinoids, right? Like infinite appears, like it seems like there's a new cannabinoid flavor of the month every single day. The same thing is actually true in psychedelics and magic mushrooms. Magic mushrooms have much more than just psilocybin in them. We have, people report that different magic mushrooms have different effects, right? Different mushroom might make you yawn or laugh or be social or, or this kind of a thing. And if these effects are true, it's probably because of um, different amounts of these other compounds that are sitting in the magic mushroom. And so our drugs are designed to extract not just the primary compound, but the full complement in order to replicate that natural uh, effect, as well as perhaps replicate the differences of different effects that you would get from different species and different strains. I got, I got to ask you about like two very hot topics, uh, kind of clicky. Uh, one is the ayahuasca pill. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, I, that's about it. So <laughs> cool. In my like, opinion, like, like, how cool is explain. that? Like, it's insane. It's mind blowing. It's 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 definitely like very concept bending, right? It's it's unexpected. 
For for sure, it's um, it's still early days in that research. Um, we have done a little bit of uh, preliminary investigation and and made the first couple of extracts and actually, you know, you know sort of deciding on a kind of a recipe and a and a format. Um, ayahuasca is incredibly interesting because um, it's actually traditionally prepared as an extract, right? It's a it's an ex- it's actually a combination of two different extracts one that contains the DMT and one that contains compounds called MAOIs, monoamine oxidase inhibitors. And what's really fascinating to me is that the traditional, like the indigenous um, people in the Amazon actually figured out that the DMT containing extract is only bioactive if it's consumed with an MAOI containing extract because DMT is not actually bioavailable if consumed orally. Right. That's actually why you see DMT vape pens, because if you yeah. inhale the vapor, you actually experience the um, the DMT, but it, it diminishes in your body really quickly because your body breaks it down. Right. So you vaporize it 20, 30 minutes, 15 minutes, it's gone. If you ingest an MAOI, it prevents your body from it's the inhibitor of the thing that makes your body break down the DMT. So these it's this incredible knowledge that developed over time. Um, and it's a really striking example of, you know, people experimenting with natural plants in their physical world, right, to come up with not just food, um, medicine, but also things to help them connect with their spirituality and, and, and religious uh, sort of purposes. And this is the way it's been with human beings since the very beginning, right, for thousands, for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years. And so when people tell us, well, you know, the, the best way to make drugs is via chemical synthesis, we go, you know, maybe Depends since on the, time. Maybe from 1950 yeah, really to 2010, right. since the dawn of time. Sorry? No, it really depends on what's the objective, what you're trying to accomplish with, with, with a specific drug, right? There's, there's, there's definitely certain drugs that are more effective in their synthesized and synthetic version uh, and others for other objectives that... Clearly, you're not right, and even even when it comes to to let's say, for instance, psychedelic compounds or you know cannabinoids versus you know whole plant cannabis, application is everything, right? The US the use case is everything, right? There there is no one right or wrong answer in that in, in that sense. And and with these substances like cannabinoids and like psychedelics that have been consumed by human beings for, again, thousands of years. Are these really truly good fits for the traditional uh, pharmaceutical development model? Like this model that we've erected is, is really good at assessing the safety of, you know, new compounds where we don't know how the effects are going to be, but you know, there's so much, there's, there's such a vast and rich, historical um uh library of you know consumption of these substances like do we really need is is the does the pharmaceutical shoe kind of fit in this case and for some situations for sure right when we're talking about you know the treatment of very serious diseases and conditions and we we don't want people out there making unsubstantiated health claims like you know, those cannabis manufacturers got in trouble for making anti-cancer claims a little while Whoa, ago. Whoa, nobody's like, ever gotten in trouble in cannabis. 
Yeah, well, nor should they have, right? Because everyone <laughs> in cannabis is squeaky clean, right? Um, you know, how dare they? How dare they impose the rules? Like, in, in where is it in Oregon now? Everyone's all a flutter because they're going to have to test for micro and heavy metals. Right? Oh, like, God forbid. God forbid that we have safe products, right? Like, any other industry, like, if you're like, oh, I have a milk, I have milk, but I'm not going to test it for like, heavy metals or micro, like, you would get laughed out of the room, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, um, um, anyways, I lost my train of thought on that one. Yeah, no worries. No, I really <laughs> liked where we went there myself. It sounds like we're all Delta 8 fans here. Um, <laughs> big joke, what? Um, so give me a little, can you just give us a little insight? Um, I, we only have really a little bit more time here. So I'd like to get what you're doing with the Center for Addiction uh, and I think medical or mental disease. It's the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. It's, mental health. Um, right. Canada's largest mental health research center and we've now partnered with them on well we've announced two clinical trials um, where we will be providing them the study drug which is our pex 10 botanical psilocybin that's awesome um, we're, we're, we're working them on 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 two studies one of them is actually quite interesting the pi's name is a, a fellow called ishrat hussein and the hypothesis is can we get a therapeutic effect from psilocybin while actually blocking the hallucinogenic effects of the drug. So think about that for, for a second. Like that's wild stuff. And and while if, you know, somebody's initial reaction might be, well, we don't really want that, right? We want people to have the full psychedelic experience and what's psychedelics without the hallucinations. Agreed. But think about if you don't have hallucinations Think about how more, how much more accessible this medicine could be, right? For mm-hmm. people where it could really help. Like, Huge. 100%. What if you are end of life um, distress patient and you're really nervous about a lot of things in your life? The last thing you want really is probably a six to eight hour mushroom I, journey nope. if you can avoid it. Right? I can't imagine can a more game changing catalyst right now outside of political. Correct. And then you can imagine like people are taking this home and taking it and, and blah, blah, blah. So while, while the hypothesis may not fit into the sort of traditional psychedelic sense, if you actually think about it in terms of like how many people it could end up helping, it's, um, it's a very, very fascinating um, uh, avenue of research. So we're, we're one way or the other, we think it's great for us, right? If you, you know, if you need the psychedelic effects, well, here's your psilocybin, right? Uh, if you don't need the psychedelic effects and you can take this other thing that blocks the psychedelic effects, well, you still need the psilocybin. So we can give it to you in that case as well. I mean, just for shareholders, the amount of consumers that you, uh, your consumer base just widens massively at that point. It's huge. And the throughput, and you don't need to like have um, therapists like sitting with the people in order during their treatment and it's accessibility, right? And, and the main goal of the industry and of our company is to help people that has have some kind of mental health challenge and any, any avenue of research. I mean, we don't really know how it's going to turn out, but any mm-hmm. avenue of research that can potentially lead to more people getting helped is, you know, very good. So we're, we're very proud of our, you know, partnership with, with CAMH as with all um, government and um, philanthropy and academic funded research. We've actually provided this study to study drug to them for free uh, because we believe in kind of helping the whole ecosystem. And, and we, we've now given, I think, 
probably 15 or 16 different trial sites all around the world study drugs uh, for free. So this is I part, love of, that. Uh, part, part of that effort to kind of support the whole research effort. I mean, we stand on the shoulders of all the people that did all kinds of psychedelic research in the past. So this is kind of like our small way of uh, helping to continue that tradition. If you saw me just react there, it was like a, I don't know, like a small, I don't know, like a hurricane or something going on outside. I just got scared. Elliot was talking about investors there for a second and shareholders, right? And one of the things that I really like uh, to see in, in the psychedelics industry, and, and this started happening since the early days of, of the capital markets for, for psychedelics companies, several mainstream investors like Peter, Peter Thiel or Kevin O'Leary got invested into the industry. Uh, in your case, and in your filaments uh, case, so you you saw early support from Brock Pierce. Um, can you tell us a little bit about about you know how that happened and what it meant for the company and what what you think it means for the for the wider uh, psychedelic industry? Right. It's uh, to to me at, at least it's very validating to see these these mainstream more traditional investors. It, it, it is validating. Some of the people you mentioned um, are have some sort of controversy associated with them, right? Like the, and then you, oh, yeah. you see Elon Musk uh, chiming in every so often in into psychedelics Twitter, right? And everyone goes, "Oh, you know, is this the sign of the next things to come?" Um, it is. It is validating. I think early on, when when filament was getting started, this was also during the the last sort of crypto boom as well. Right, it was it was the everything boom, right? COVID, uh, 2020, early 2021, um, and what's really good about um, uh, crypto investors is that they they know they see the vision, they see the future of the world that includes a new innovation like crypto or like psychedelics. They know it's going to be a bumpy road to get there especially crypto investors. I mean, how many winters have, have they been through, right? We're only on our first psychedelics winter right now. Um, and, and, you know, they're, they're not concerned about what they see as, you know, minor fluctuations in the present day, uh, which will pale in comparison to the overall impact that we'll see. We just have to, we just have to be patient. So I think psychedelics did attract um, a fair amount of that same kind of crypto vibe or in, in or there's also similar kind of anarchic, you know, screw you, the man kind of vibe as well. Yeah. Um, anti-establishment, um, anti-establishment, anti-status quo. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but in the case of psychedelics, it's the establishment that's kept these valuable life-saving medicines out of the hands of the people uh, for decades and decades. So I think it's very fair to be, you know, anti-establishment in, in, in psychedelics. Although I should be very careful because, the number of licenses and permits and things we have from the establishment, which allow us to operate legally, uh, is extensive. So we're, we're very thankful. Yeah, but it's, but it's, a challenge. it's a challenge to what was conceived to be acceptable, to what was regulated until very, until very recently. Of course, now you, you got to play by, by the rules, right? You got to. You gotta get the right permits. You gotta license. You, you gotta get your licenses. You gotta uh, protect your intellectual property. You gotta comply with publicly traded, you know, company regulations and SEC regulations, right? And, and not only that, we have, to, we have to comply with like 
you know, what's the sort of general feeling by the psychedelics community and how to be an ethical player and how to do the right things and sort of like abide by some more like unwritten rules and history, you know, while also kind of challenging certain areas which may need like a refresh, you know, like, you know, adhering to like modern research standards and providing standardized products and things like that and saying like, well, hey, like again, like if these substances are going to reach the most number of people well people like average people that are suffering from serious illnesses they're probably not going to be un- they're probably not going to be comfortable with the inherent variability of uh, of the psilocybin in a magic mushroom right they're going to want a standardized product that says 25 milligrams they're oh, yeah. not going to want something that says you know plus or minus you know 50 percent psilocybin um, yeah or, or half a gram yeah like m- magic mushrooms Half a gram. It's like how much solid stuff? And it's like I don't know, like half a gram in mushrooms. I like, don't know. Oh, I took okay. some last week. It seemed to be pretty strong, <laughs> but I don't know. It, but, but, you guys are really selling this for me. I know. It's, <laughs> it's crazy, but, but that's actually and what, one of the things I always tell people is like when someone says they did X Y Z grams of shrooms, it's 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 actually a completely meaningless number because what we see is that mushrooms from the same flush can have up to five times the amount of psilocybin as the mushroom next door, right? Even within the same mushroom, you see a cap that has like double the amount of psilocybin as a stem, right? So like, it's like I took, and the the, the cap and the stem could each be 500 milligrams in some cases, right? Mm -hmm. So like a whole dose for someone might've been just a stem or just a cap. So how much psilocybin did you get? I don't know. Like the, the only way is to take a large quantity of mushrooms, grind them up so that they're um, uh, not that I condone illegal drug use, obviously. Uh, but like if you take a whole batch and a big batch, like a kilo or two and grind it up and homogenize it, somehow analyze that. And then you have like a big batch of powder that, you know, is relatively the same concentration of psilocybin. Awesome. Ben, we are over time in, but well worth it. Your insights are awesome. Really appreciate what you're doing and offering your product as a, a base for these clinical studies at multiple different sites. It's very important uh, what you're doing. I don't want us to skate over that, but thank you so much for your time. Any, any last words and anything our audience should know as we wrap up here? No, I think, uh, oh, one last one last pet peeve of mine while we're on the subject of pet peeves. Did, the, the use of the word psilocybin to refer both to the chemical compound as well as to the mushroom. This is also something that has to stop, <laughs> right? You don't grow psilocybin, right? A hmm. coffee bean is not caffeine. You don't grow caffeine. You grow coffee. You don't grow THC. So anyways, that's just the last thing. So I love it. We need Perfect. to get smarter on the on that nomenclature, right? That's fantastic. I love that. Fan, totally best agree. last line ever, Ben. <laughs> best last line ever. Ben Lightburn, CEO and co-founder of Filament Health, OTC listed FLHLF. Thank you so much for your time, sir. We hope you'll join us in Miami at our Psychedelic Capital Conference. But until then, my friend, be well and keep up the good fight. Thank you so much. Thank you. Awesome. Great, great interview. I mean, the man has a ton of knowledge, almost as much as you, Javi. No, <laughs> stop it already. And, but it, you know, it, I I loved it, and I loved the closing, uh, the closing phrase. Actually, you know, honestly, I I I get very very bothered and disturbed and annoyed with the same thing. It's like 
you know, even friends of mine will go like, oh, yeah, I took some psilocybin. It's like, no, no, you know, you took shrooms, right? <laughs> Again, you have no idea how many milligrams. So yeah. Like, it's, yeah. it's super weird. No one is saying, hey, let's smoke some THC. You go like, let's smoke a joint. Yeah, fair enough, man. Fair enough. With that being said, y'all, we have to wrap up. Javi, you are rock. You you are rock. You rock. You're awesome. Benzinga.com slash cannabis for all of Javier and his team's amazing news throughout the day. BZCannabis.com or scan the QR code in top right of this screen on the video if you're watching. Uh, if you're listening to this later on, BZCannabis.com uh, for tickets to our awesome event. We have confirmed representatives Dave Joyce and Troy Carter. Uh, from the U.S. House of Representatives. We have some amazing companies to be announced, y'all, but all the major cannabis players will be there, as always. BZCannabis.com, April 11th through 12th, April 13th, Psychedelics Capital Conference. And I'm talking too fast, and I'm done. Of course it worked. We are awesome here, Javi. That being said, Mm y'all, have a great rest of your day. We will see you on Tuesday for some more amazing insights. Until then, y'all.